I'm saying is those those different levels, and it's all church interpretation. All right, let's get going. So, what do you guys think on the, uh, we'll go through the first couple of questions and then we'll dive into the scripture and see what it's got to say to us. So what do we think on, uh, if somebody was baptized as an infant, should they be baptized again upon conversion? Yes. Yes. Okay. Why do we think that? To show everybody the fact that I'm a Christian, here I am, I do believe that Jesus, and it's not your own little secret that only so if you know, everybody else can believe and know it as well. Okay, so it's like a public proclamation of faith, that you yourself have come to faith, now you're going to publicly demonstrate that faith by being baptized. Um, any other views on that? I have a question then. Sure. Is just something public then? Um, it, that depends on where you where you land on this topic. Um, the Typically, like... Our church would say that, yes, baptism is a public display of your faith. It's a step of obedience to Christ. Um, He commanded baptism, so you're displaying that to the church body that, yes, I profess faith, and yes, I'm going to be obedient. So, does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, I guess on the front end, I would I would say that this church definitely supports believer baptism. That's that's what we practice here. So, um, like that, that's why the answer is yes. It's a public display of your faith because that's how we do it here. Um, there's obviously a number of other churches who baptize infants. Could I make a comment? Sure. Um, I was never baptized as an infant. However. When I was uh, I was brought up in a liberal church, and they uh, did not baptize me right away. But when I was a teenager, they uh, gave me a private um, baptism by sprinkling, and uh, so I still say that that does not count because it was not done with faith in Christ. It was done through some other way. And um, when I was in Atlanta later on, however, I was um, required to be baptized by immersion. And um, in the meantime, I had accepted Christ as my Savior and the the way that is taught here. So uh, I would say that that would count. Yeah, I would, I would say that, that it's very clear that the baptism when you were a teenager, if there was no profession of faith there, there's no purpose in that baptism. So I would say that after you professed Christ and um, was at the other church, that, that baptism is your true baptism in that regard. So, Anybody else have any thoughts on if you're baptized as an infant, should you uh, be baptized again? All right. I definitely think that they should be baptized again when that child or whatever is ready, or an adult, right, mm-hmm. uh, 
wants to be uh, acknowledged the Lord, you should be baptized. For your child, the pure, this is a say, okay, I'm the pure, so I promise to bring the child up accordingly. Okay, so so you're saying like a dedication as an infant is a good thing, or a christening or whatever you want to call it, but a baptism is something that a believer would do. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were Catholics, of course, and uh, I was baptized as a infant. And you know, I was never. I I believed in God my entire life, but I never knew who He was, or Jesus was, mm-hmm. not until I accepted Him and was baptized. You know, here at this church. But other than that, so who here has been baptized twice? Just one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I should say as an infant and then as a believer. I've been baptized as a, as a believer twice. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure. I'm our... <laughs> the reason why was I was in Israel and I was at the Jordan River. Oh, well, I know. Oh, I definitely got it. Oh, I Let's, uh... Right, yeah, <laughs> the real holy water. <laughs> yeah, sure. There we go. If you, if most people agree, if, if some people agree that upon conversion you need to or should get baptized again, then what is the purpose or point as a baby getting baptized? Well, churches that practice infant baptism don't think you need to get baptized again. So their view would differ from ours. They, they would say that your infant baptism is your once and for all baptism, and then you don't need to do anything further. I think that a lot of churches are different. A lot of them do child baptisms, also do the second, but they do the first one more of as a dedication. Right. Yeah, which, I mean, even though we do, we do a dedication, it doesn't involve water or baptism or anything like that, but we dedicate infants here. Um, same thing, so. All right, let's go on to the second question. Um, if somebody within our church came up to you and said they're considering baptizing their new baby, what would you say? Let's let's assume for the sake of this class that it's baptism as in the once and for all baptism. I'd have to say no because it's like saying, here you are, you're three weeks old, now you're a Christian forever. Later in their life, a child might forget God. Then what? It's not really a Christian. It had no choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. The child didn't dedicate and ask for God. Sincerely, it's just, here you go, whether you remember it or not. Right, I mean, I, I think the, the, the opposite question at that point is, if God is the one who initiates salvation, couldn't he do it through infant baptism? Um, if, it's not, if it's not necessarily your choice to be saved. And, and that's what a lot of these other belief structures will point to, is that it's God who calls, not man who comes to him. So, um, But we'll take a look at all of that. Anybody else have any other thoughts on uh, somebody who is considering baptizing their baby? I think baptism is tied to a personal expression of faith. That's right. And I would say that an infant cannot personally express their faith. I would agree.
Yeah, I mean, obviously a baby can't articulate their, the gospel, articulate their faith. So, um, but uh, I mean, obviously there's there's a number of different viewpoints, and we'll see later on in this that the vast majority of Christian churches today do baptize infants. So, let's. Uh, whoop, go. Yeah, yeah. That's um, kind of that kind of points to the question number five: Is baptism a requirement to be saved? Um, whether or not you think that baptism is a requirement to be saved, it is not the only the way to salvation. It, it, even if you believe that it's part of the process, it's not. It's definitely not what causes salvation in its entirety. So to think I was baptized, therefore I'm good to go, is that's a ludicrous way of thinking. I mean, you have to have faith. Salvation's by faith alone in Christ, without question. So. All right, let's move into some text, and we'll come back to the other few after the end of it. So um, we're going to look at this in a couple of spots. We're going to do baptism in the, uh, during the time of Jesus and then baptism in the early church. And then we're going to explore kind of the theolo- theological basis for infant baptism, where uh, people who do believe in that get their perspective. Um, and then we'll touch on the theology of believers' baptism. We're going to spend most of our time with infant baptism just because it's not the predominant view of this church, so just to educate us on on why people do think that uh, infant baptism is the way to go. So, somebody want to read Matthew 3, 5, and 6 up there? It's not, yeah, sorry the sides are so tiny. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Yeah, sorry for the small slides. I didn't want to print 4,000 sheets of paper per person. Um, so this is talking about John the Baptist. And uh, he was going out and, and, and bapti- people were coming to him and he was baptizing them. Um, so on the bottom here we have the two different points of view on this slide. Uh, believer's baptism, people who believe in believer's baptism would say that this here, obviously baptism is corresponding with the confessing of their sins, with the repentance. Um, and infant, the people with the infant Baptist point of view would say, this is the baptism of God's people turning back to him. So it's not the, it's not the same thing as what we're talking about in infant baptism today. Um, because basically, what's occurring here, that, that, a little history real quick, is back in, in the time of Christ and even beforehand, people converting to Judaism were baptized, they were immersed. Um, and, but when John the Baptist came onto the scene, these were Jews getting baptized, which was unique to the time. Jew, national Jews didn't have to get baptized because they were already of God's people. So uh, this baptism was a mark of repentance uh, for those people turning back to God. Moving on, uh, who wants to read? Wait a minute. All right, that reference is wrong, but somebody, I think this is further down. It's further in the same chapter of Matthew 3. Sorry, I'm really PowerPoint challenged, so. Yeah, so if somebody wants to give that a read for me. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So this is, the, this is obviously the baptism of Christ. Um, so John uh, b- baptizes Jesus, and basically it's the gateway into his earthly ministry. And uh, if we look at the believer baptism point of view on this, um, would say that Jesus was baptized at the beginning of his earthly ministry. He wasn't baptized as an infant, so obviously that's, if, if infant baptism was the way to go and Christ was initiating that, he would have, you know, he would have been so baptized. Um, the infant baptism point of view would say that Jesus didn't have original sin, therefore he had no reason to be baptized as an infant. Um, and again, this, this baptism is, is Christ identifying himself with the people who were being baptized by John the Baptist. It's not has nothing to do with the remission of sin. Obviously, Christ was perfect. It has nothing to do with salvation. It's, it's him identifying himself with the people. Um, and, and really, everybody would agree with that perspective on it. So, um, again, it's, people would say that this is not central to the argument, but it's important to look at all the references when we study a topic. All right, John 4, 1 through 3. I'll do this one. Uh, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. So one, once again, um, in, when, when we're get, the controversy in this and, and the discussion in this comes in the church age part of baptism. So this is basically, here believer baptism supporters would say that the people started to follow Christ. They were baptized. It was part of their initiation of discipleship to Christ, and that makes sense. That's how we practice it as well. Um, so it's a post-conversion type baptism, and infant Baptists would totally agree. They would say that when people convert to Christianity now, later in life, they still get baptized, even if they, you know, if they weren't baptized as an infant. So um, there's there's really no conflict in that. And then, uh, who wants to read the Great Commission? So before I click forward, what do and don't cheat? What, what, what do we? What, what do you think that this says about baptism? What would you think that the point of view would be, especially contrary to believers' baptism? How would they deal with this scripture that is Christ's direct command for baptism in in Christianity? Does the question make sense? No. Okay. <laughs> then I'll rephrase it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, what, what, is the, what does this say to the topic in general? Like how, this, this is Christ giving the command to baptize people. Um, so this, is, this is obviously after the resurrection. He's commanding people to, ba- to make disciples and baptize them. So what, is, what does this say to the discussion at hand? I, is, I mean, what, is it, what does it say about it? does. I think it can be either way. Oh, 
because it's, it's talking about, you know, it's just how you baptize him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So your real question, I'm sorry. And then to what? teach them, but that can be teaching an infant after he, I don't, you know, I say that this can be sort of either way. Go ahead, Mark. So the real question <laughs> I think that he's asking is, is um, if you were of the point of view of infant baptism, how would you interpret this? Verse? Right. What these verses, what, what would you That's include as a result? That's an infant baptism. Right, yeah. Thank oh. you, Mark. Yeah, it's definitely one of them. Um, it's hard to make a disciple out of a baby. Right. But, but, you're, but, still. but you're making them, you're building them up, you're growing it. You know, so it's... Well, and, and, and believer... Oh, I'm sorry, Bert. Then when they're one year old, but I, I guess... I mean, you're talking in infants. Yeah. Right. And we would... I would look at it and I would say, well, I can't see this talking as an infant if we're to go and, you know, and right, raise but them off. You know, I mean, it takes time to raise a child up. They're no longer infants then. Right, but I, I mean, I'm charged to, I'm charged to disciple my children and right. from their infancy. Right. So could you use that argument to in support of infant baptism in respect to this text? Right. <laughs> well. do that because then they go on and they take Right. I mean, it, right. It's it's the initiation of the discipleship process in infancy for people who believe in infant baptism, especially the Catholic and Lutheran viewpoints of it. Um, from the from the believer's baptism perspective, the 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 imperative in this in in this verse is the go make disciples part. And the process of making disciples is baptizing them, is going to them, is teaching them. Um, so we would argue from the believer's baptism perspective um, that this, this particular text is talking about the process once one is converted. It's the discipleship process after conversion. Um, To expand on that a little bit, it's it's hard for me to see the what what the the version or the the image of a disciple in this time. It's it's hard for me to see them using that word saying discipleship is from infancy. Like that's that's not the biblical model, or at least the the time period model of discipleship. It's it's people who committed themselves to a teacher and followed around and lived with them and, and 
and did all these other things. So, go ahead, Bert. But isn't he really there talking to his disciples about, you know, it's given to me, and therefore you go, you disciples, you you go and make disciples of other nations, of mm-hmm. other nations. He doesn't say go and 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 what to do, how to do that, then to baptize them, and then to well, again, right, again, that's that's the imperative. Right. And, and the command is to go make disciples. The command is not go baptize. Right, it's, right, right, right. It, you know, baptism is just part of the discipleship process. Right. So I think I think that's an important point. I, I think looking at it from the infant, infant baptism point of view, the fact that he's sending disciples to new territory that go and make new disciples, it, there's no distinction there. You're bringing them from another belief into Christianity, so baptizing. Yeah, they're baptizing. Right. And, that, yeah, and that's exactly what the green box says for them. Um, that, you know, when you're taking the gospel to new people and in the mission field, you're making people are converting it later on in life. Therefore. Um, you would obviously baptize them just as if somebody were to join the Catholic Church today at 25, they would baptize them. Right. So, same kind of thing. So. Unless they were baptized as an Right, unless they were baptized as an infant. Very good point. All right, so uh, let's move on into the uh, early church period. Um, and this is, this is where the, the uh, controversy starts entering into the process a little more. This is the infant Baptist point of view comes out of the, church, the early church age. So somebody want to read uh, Acts? We're going to hit 24 just to set up the context, and then 44 through 48. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who had heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. All right, so what are the people who support infant baptism? What would they be seeing in this passage that leads them to think that it's in support of their viewpoint? I think they would... I'm going to get this mixed up, but I, I, you know, this doesn't say anything about infant baptism. This says you're baptized later in life. They use this as a tax to support their argument. So they think that the water itself is a symbol of causing it. Is that what you're going to do? What? No, this is all right. I'll just give the answer. The uh, we'll click on to the next slide. All right. This is the no. This is actually the what they use. This is the first of their quote unquote household baptism arguments um, that that they utilize for it. So, because the entire family of Cornelius was present, there must have been young children and infants there, and baptism wasn't withheld from anybody present. 
is what the text says. So yeah. that, that's, that's their viewpoint on it. So what, uh, what do you guys think about that perspective? <laughs> so, I mean, what, let's look at the text here and see what, I mean, what is, what is it saying happened when the people were baptized? If, I mean, he saw that the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. Is the Holy Spirit poured out on the infants? I'm actually changing my own mind, by the way, while I'm teaching this. I know. <laughs> um, you know. But is the Holy Spirit poured out on the infants? I mean, come on. They were hearing the word of the Lord. They were obviously repenting. They had the Spirit poured out on them. And then they were baptized. I, I, I think, the, the, for me, the text is pretty clear that, that this one is uh, not necessarily in support of their viewpoint. There's no, there doesn't appear to be any place in the text that it's talked about infants. Right. Right, absolutely. I mean, ju- just as as children who grow up in godly homes today have a not a guaranteed but a likelier chance of coming to Christ than people who are raised in non-Christian homes. Uh, it's just you know, I mean, I, that's that's why we're supposed to teach our kids about about godliness and Christ. And so to say, hey, you know, mom and dad heard the word of the Lord here. They got the Spirit. They were baptized. It it makes sense that other members of the household would then also believe that. I think Mark's got a very good point there. I mean, and I think, I mean, it's clear as day here. Peter's telling them, you know, they, they, can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? I mean, it's, it's hard for me to see that an infant was taught speaking in tongues. It's also, of of the word heard is it just at an infant listening to words being spoken or is it an understanding of the word yeah that's understanding cannot happen with an infant that way right yeah i think i think that's a very valid point i think uh, that um i I, there's nothing in this text that tells me you're not to assume that hearing also meant comprehending and understanding and believing and accepting the word. So I, I think that's a very valid point in this. Um, I, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, give you a verse that doesn't say anything about uh, uh, baptism, but does say a lot about being saved. It's uh, in Acts 16 and verse... 
starting with the second part of verse 30, it says, Sir, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Mm-hmm. It does not say anything about um, baptism, but it has plenty to say about believing in the Lord Jesus. Uh, that's, that's the... the right, it does. And we are actually going to get to this very passage. Um, are you going to get to some point here where we're not talking about infant and we're talking when does an infant become a child who can be baptized? No, I am absolutely leaving the age of accountability out of this topic. Um, we definitely do not have time. <laughs> so, yeah, just, just as in we're not dealing with baptism of the Spirit in this topic either because we also do not have time for that. Um, so we're going to try to keep the bookends on this pretty clearly. Um, so, yeah, obviously, I think we've exhausted this. Um, the infant baptism point of view, the entire family of Cornelius is present, therefore, infants must have been there, um, is, is what they assert into the text. Um, obviously, our point of view, we've talked about, I think, pretty much at length. Uh, this, you know, it's the people who the Spirit came to them were baptized, and clearly infants did not have the Spirit and did not hear the words intelligibly. So, All right. Um, Acts 16, 14 through 15. Um, who wants to read this one? One who has heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of uh, Thyatira. Thyatira. A seller of, pur- of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord op- opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. All right, so this again, she was baptized and her household as well. Um, People in support of infant baptism would argue that the household being everybody who lived there, including small children and infants, and the entire household. So since they, they would argue that since infants weren't excluded, therefore they must have been included. Where I don't, I don't know that you can land there. I don't know that that's real sound exegesis. But um, so that's that would be their point on this. Let's look at uh, Acts thirty. Uh, I'm sorry, Acts sixteen thirty through thirty three, which is the Philippian jailer that Paul just was reading about. Uh, what must he do to be saved? So then he brought them out and said, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" And they said, "Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household." And they spoke the word of the Lord to them all who were in his house. And it, they, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his whole family. So again, this is back to that household baptism idea. So he and his whole family, well, obviously there was likely small children or infants in his entire family. So what, uh, what do you think the believer's baptism perspective would be on, on this verse? Oh, no, no, I wasn't going to do that. Oh, go, go wherever you want. Sure. Would we tell the family that wanted to be baptized, your infants cannot be baptized. In our church? Yeah. Yes. I think we definitely would tell them, no, your infants cannot be. You can, you but are... You, excuse me, but I would think that if you could use that as an opportunity to say that we believe, you know, that they should accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior oh, sure. at a later time... Would we still say they would not 
We would definitely baptize. This is a tier two issue. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not a matter of salvation issue. Um, so if the, if the parents profess faith in Christ, we would absolutely baptize them. We would not, in this church, we would not baptize their infants. We would explain to them you know, our baby dedication. We would explain to them why we support believers' baptism. We would teach them on these points. And then obviously, once the kids came to faith, we would gladly baptize them here. So, um, it's, it's, but it's not an issue. They said, you know, they're not excluded from baptism because they wanted their kids baptized because this is not a, it's not a salvation issue. Is it, do you think that makes sense, Mark? Tell them no, go away. I mean, we're gonna, right. we're, we're gonna. They may elect to go away if they. If we right. If this, if this is a major issue to their theology, they may choose right. to disagree with us and go their own way. But we, as as a church, we would definitely, we would teach on this matter and then definitely encourage dedication. I mean, without a doubt, we'd encourage that the children and the parents and everything be be brought before the church. But the the thing with dedication that's different than baptism is that dedication is the body and the family committing to raise the child in Christ. It has nothing to do with the child's salvation. It is a commitment of everybody but the child. So I I think that's an important distinction for for what we're talking about here. Um, We definitely need to move on. (laughs) Um... So anyway, again, this is, 
These are, the, these are the two clearest examples of what they would call household baptism. Um, so they would show that the entire households were baptized. The text is clear that the house of Lydia and the entire family of the Philippian jailer were baptized. This must have included young children and infants. Um, and I think we've exhausted the believer's baptism point of view, that there was teaching, there was understanding, there was belief, there was faith, and then baptism. It wasn't, it wasn't that everybody was baptized. It, just because it doesn't exclude the infants doesn't mean it includes them either. So... <laughs> Moving into the... Right. Right. I mean, the, 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 you can definitely argue that the text doesn't clearly point one way or the other in regard to infants, um, but I, I think it's... It's a little bit... Of, it's a definite exegetical leap in my mind to infer that infants were baptized because it says household. I mean, when you look in the context of everything else that goes on in that text, about the preaching of the word, the hearing of the word, it's, it's hard to say that infants were obviously included. Um, so now we're going to move on uh, into the theology of infant baptism. Um, and this, to me, is the most compelling argument for it. Like the household baptisms, I think you can dismiss as we add. But this, this I think, is, is an interesting thing. So somebody want to read Colossians 2, 11 and 12? Also, you were circumcised with circumcision made without hands, but put off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. Uh, baptism, you want to be No, you, you got it. Um, are there more stuff on your slides? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> I, I am the world's worst PowerPoint person, so forgive me for that. Um, the, so the, basically, in, in this text, the, the infant baptism supporters would argue that, uh, that baptism is being equated to circumcision. So if circumcision is the sign of the old covenant of the people of Israel... That, and so as baptism is the sign of the new covenant of the people of Christ, if they circumcised infants, we should baptize infants. And so that, that's the most compelling argument. So anybody got any thoughts on that? And what this text is saying in relation to that? Could I quote a, another scripture that is made to be, has some bearing on this? In the 15th chapter of Acts, the council at Jerusalem uh, was telling them to abstain from food by idols from sexual immorality from the meat of strangled animals and from blood and that was that okay uh, how, how do you think how do you think that relates I well there's nothing that's being said about it in baptism in this but they were commanded to do these four things well I, th- I think that's reading, that, that's kind of the looking at the if, the, if the text is silent on the matter, I think you'd be reading in to see, to see baptism being resolved in, in that particular scripture. I, I, I would caution against that. Um, so it, with, with, the, with this particular text, with baptism being equated to circumcision, um, what do you guys think on, on that, if, on, if that's a, a valid argument or... It appears that this question of the day, right, I think, is, is, is this baptism water baptism or is it spiritual spirit baptism? Um, I mean, is, does the 
People in support of infant baptism would say that this is equating water baptism as the symbol for the new covenant, where just as circumcision was the symbol of the old covenant, or the Abrahamic covenant, I should say, not the old covenant. Anybody have any thoughts on that at all? I mean, I suppose when you look at even the circumcision part, um, and from that viewpoint, whether yeah. you know, You're not looking at it as, um, you know, you do. It, it, you got to keep in mind that it's doing it for salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why they're they're doing these processes, these um, to earn, yeah, to earn salvation. And uh, whether it be circumcision, even the circumcision when God commanded it, it wasn't to earn uh, favor in their eyes. Because believe me, they. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's. I mean. Obviously. Just as. You could definitely argue that just as circumcision didn't save anybody, neither does baptism. It's. It, it's a. It's a sign. It's a symbol. But it's not a guarantee. Faith was still the even even under circumcision, even in under the Abrahamic covenant, it was still faith that saved. It was not. Circumcision. It was not. Asking us to look at it as far as that their perspective, and it's you know, like you said, it's very difficult coming from our point of view. But um, I mean, well, even in this passage, it says here, in which you were also raised with and through faith. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Agreed. But let's step back. Is baptism the sign of the new covenant? Circumcision was the sign of the old covenant of the Abrahamic covenant. Is baptism the sign of the new covenant? Water baptism. Right. That yeah, water baptism. proponents of infant baptism would absolutely say you are not going to heaven if you didn't get baptized. Go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say, if if your word and that you said there is true, then the beginning of verse 13 is the key clincher here, is that it says, and when you were dead in your transgressions and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out that. Right. Right, and I, I would I, I have discussed this text at length with a number of people. Um, I would also argue that the circumcision without hands here is not pointing at all to the circumcision in the Abrahamic covenant, but this circumcision without hands is talking about the regeneration of the heart. It's that that. That tech, this is not making any connection whatsoever between the symbol of circumcision and the symbol of baptism. It's talking about regeneration, and it's talking about baptism in the Spirit. I totally agree with that perspective. So, but this, this is definitely the, one of the foundations of their theology. I don't know if you went through, through your study. Where did the 
Yeah, we'll, we'll, get into, we'll get into history and views, and we're going to have to cook to get there, but we're going to try our best. I've got to keep going. Is that okay? I've got, I've got like 15 more slides. Um, so, so here, obviously what we had talked about on this, baptism has replaced circumcision as the initiation of the covenant, is what people would say who subscribe to infant baptism. And just as Jewish infants were circumcised, therefore the children of Christians should be baptized as a sign of the covenant. That's at least the Reformed view of it. Um, so basically, uh, Acts 2, 37-39, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, and everyone in the, who, I'm sorry, for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So they would use this text, um, The promise of forgiveness of sins extends to the children of those who believe. And they would use that as an example of why they should baptize their infants. Again, back to the fact that infant baptism is a symbol for for belonging to Christ just as circumcision was. So, All right, now we're going to get into the... There's four distinct views within infant baptism. There might even be more, but there's four, the four will cover the kind of the major viewpoints of it. So we're going to go through these. Um, Roman Catholic view: they believe that baptism is not symbolic; it actually conveys grace. Um, so they would definitely say that there's a salvation element to baptism. Um, and baptism, what they would say is that baptism accomplishes the remission of original sin. Um, what, what is original sin? What do you guys? Anybody know what that is? Any ex-Catholics? So would they I'm looking at the ex-Catholic table over there, but they don't want to talk. <laughs> um, the uh, um, yeah, original original sin is the is the sin that's passed um, through mankind because of the sin of Adam. It's they they would say that infants are incapable of actual sin, but they would say that original sin exists in them because they are born in mankind. So they would say that they need to be remissed from this original sin, and that's what baptism does. It gets rid of the sin that's passed down through the through Adam as you know that's that's present in humanity. Um, so parents are urged to baptize as soon as possible after birth. That's obviously because they don't want the kid to die without baptism. Although, like I was telling you guys during the discussion, the, the Catholics do have what's called the baptism of desire. So if you desire to baptize your kid, that counts. If they were to die after you've expressed the desire to baptize them, but before you baptize them, you're good to go, according to their theology. Um, and then infant baptism affirms, the salva- affirms that salvation is an unmerited favor of God. Um, because the infant doesn't make a decision in this, it affirms that, that salvation is God's, is God's work and is from God. So, um, And then they would say that children of non-Christians should not be baptized unless there's believing godparents in place. So if you're from a non-Christian home, the Catholics would not want to baptize you. They want it to be people who are in the church. And there's a few similar beliefs to the Catholic theology, Ethan Orthodox, Assyrian Church, and Oriental Orthodoxy. Um, so they would all kind of be lumped into, into this particular viewpoint. So moving on, the uh, Lutheran view of baptism, which I was baptized Lutheran as an infant. So, um, so that they would, what's that? Ah, oh, listen. I was baptized here too, so I'm good. Um, 
Right, yeah, make sure we're all good. Um, so Lutherans would say that infant baptism is, in fact, mandated by God. Um, can somebody turn to Mark 10, 13 through 15 and read that real quick? This is the passage that they use as their explanation. Somebody got that? Uh, Mark 10, 13 through 15. They were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked him. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. Right, so they, so they would say that this infant baptism is them bringing the little children unto God. So they would say that God, through that passage, mandates that they should bring their children to God. The vehicle by which they do that is that baptism. So that's why they practice infant baptism. The Acts passage we already hit on. Um, for, uh, for the Lutheran view, they would say that baptism is a means of grace. So it doesn't convey grace, but it's a means of grace. And that's on the slide, so I guess I'll just tell you since you already have it in front of you. Me- means of grace is the way that the Holy Spirit creates faith in the hearts of Christians. So they would say that baptism is instrumental in God creating faith in the hearts of the infant. So that's why they would baptize as an infant, because it's God's way of conveying faith to them. Um, so in sense faith is an act of God, it exists within the infants already, even though they can't express it. So what do we think of that? Anybody got any thoughts on that perspective? Well, the only way to please God is to demonstrate faith, and faith is a gift of God. So the fact that that, that exists at the point in time when conversion takes place um, says that shocked infants don't have that at that time. But right. They're looking forward to a time in the future that they're saying, I can understand that, but they don't have it. Right. And they would, and they would argue that because God knows that that faith, because they do eventually confess that faith, and that faith is present from the beginning, because the faith is from God. So it, the, the faith is basically pre-existent in the infant before they ever come to the realization or make the decision. So they would baptize on that, uh, on, the, on that perspective. So which I. I don't know that you can go there. but um, So and they believe in baptismal re- regeneration. Um, basically, they believe that baptism is part of the saving process, so that it does, it does lead to regeneration of the soul. And then they also believe that, it, that that's the start of sanctification is infant baptism. So once you're baptized as an infant, you will, grow, you will be, begin to be sanctified by the Spirit. So. Now we'll get into the Methodist view. Um, they change here. Their perspective differs from the first two. They say that baptism is symbolic. It doesn't regenerate or cleanse from sin at all. Um, so that's obviously distinct from the Catholic view and from the Lutheran view, who both think that grace, at least in some form, is conveyed through baptism. Um, so they would Methodists believe that salvation is by faith alone. I think that's pretty easy to agree with. Um, and they still baptize their infants. So they believe that salvation is by faith, which definitely aligns with our theology, and they also baptize their infants. So um, that's why baptism is a tier two issue. It's not a top level whether or not you're going to heaven issue. Um, so they would say that uh, 
Baptism is a preventative grace. Basically, it's, God, it's, it's God's prom, promising to eventually call the child. So by them baptizing it, it's, it's marking them. Again, back to kind of that covenantal language from the Colossians passage. It's God covenanting with them that the child will be, will be called to faith. Um, and then it's a symbol of God approaching the helpless is, why, is another reason why they baptize infants. All right, um, Presbyterian and Reformed view. Um, this is where a lot of a lot of churches and pastors and people that you guys agree with and like to listen to they land on this, so they do support infant baptism. Um, they would say that baptism is a symbol, just as a wedding ring is a symbol, kind of back to that covenantal symbol. You know, your wedding ring is a symbol of the covenant of your marriage. Just, therefore, baptism is also a symbol of the covenant. Back to that Colossians passage that we looked at at the beginning. Um, baptism does not save at all, but it identifies the child as a member of the covenant community, um, just as circumcision identified the, the Jewish children as national Jews and as part of God's covenant there. Baptism does the same thing. And they would say that baptism does not guarantee salvation, just as circumcision did not guarantee salvation. Circu- salvation is through faith. It's not through the mark of the covenant. Oh, I jumped ahead. <laughs> All right, so uh, quickly, the theology of believer's baptism, I think we're all going to, we all kind of understand this through our discussion, but since salvation is by faith alone, it can't be passed from a parent to a child, rendering the infant baptism ineffective. Um, I, I think we'd, we kind of covered that, is that there's no point, if, it's, if you can't pass your faith on and salvation is by faith alone, then what's the point of baptizing an infant is one of their discussions. And then also, obviously, we believe that baptism is symbolic. It doesn't convey grace. It's not critical of salvation. It's a step of obedience, but it's not going to keep you out of heaven if you don't get baptized. Um, it's a symbol of the fa- It's symbolic. It identifies you with the death and resurrection of Christ. It identifies you as a follower and believer in Christ, but it doesn't, it doesn't convey any actual grace. It has no actual working in yourself salvation other than a step of obedience um, and then they would counter the the circumcision baptism if you want to equate the two symbols believer baptists would say that just as circumcision was for the physical sons of abraham baptism is for the spiritual sons therefore it only applies to believers so if if you wanted to to take them on if you wanted to take that perspective that they have of it being a sign of the covenant this would be the this would be the refuting of that saying that obviously the baptism is for believers because those are the spiritual sons of Abraham and the members of God's family, whereas the physical sons of Abraham, circumcision was their sign. Um, And then baptism symbolizes the regeneration that occurred through faith. And baptism, again, like we had said, is a sign of obedience to Christ and a public display of that faith. All right, support for infant baptism... Um, they would say that nowhere does Scripture directly speak to the matter, so they would use that as a support. You're going to see that on the next slide, too, <laughs> for the support of believers' baptism. But they, they would say that because infants are not... They would use household baptism and say that because infants were not excluded, they must have been included. Um, infant baptism has been the strong majority view in the church since at least the second century. Um, there's no record of apostolic baptism, infants directly, other than the household baptisms like we talked to. But uh, there's definitely evidence in writings from the early church in the second century that they, they did baptize infants at that time. So that's been the majority view. Actually, um, believers' baptism and kind of how we, we do things is more... Is newer in church history. Um, so they would say the church history is a, a leg to stand on in that. So and then 70 plus percent of Christians today belong to a church that baptizes infants. 
Um, so it's, it's, still, it's still the vast majority of you. It has been since the second century, and it still is today. And they would use that as support. Um, and since Paul equates circumcision to baptism, the signs of the covenants, it makes sense to perform baptism at the same age they perform circumcision. Support for believer's baptism. There's not a single specific example in Scripture of an infant being baptized, and there's not at all. Um, which is, again, it's the same argument. Since it doesn't, we say since they don't speak to infant baptism, it didn't happen, they say, because they didn't speak against infant baptism, it, didn't ha- it happened. So it's the same argument for both. Hi, Michael. Um, so in every account of baptism in Scripture, there's repentance and faith in the Word of God, even in the examples of household baptism given. So every time that baptism is talked about in the, in, in the early church, it talks about it alongside of faith and alongside of the Spirit and alongside of the preaching of the Word. It's, not, it's, it's never isolated from that, which leads you to believe that faith is first, baptism second. Um, and in the Great Commission, like we had talked about at length, Christ points to baptism as part of the disciple-making process, which we would say occurs once conversion occurs. So, um, And also, the, like we had talked about this as well, the Colossians passage does not as much equate circumcision and baptism, but rather points to the regenerative work of Christ and our identity with his death and resurrection. So this is back to that circumcision talking about the regeneration of the heart, not the physical circumcision. So it doesn't, the text doesn't actually equate the two as covenantal signs. So, um, Anybody have any last things? We're definitely running short on time. Any questions, comments? Sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pass you by. It's just I knew we didn't. We weren't going to get done. <laughs> well, um, the uh, Holy Communion is uh, a wonderful, wonderful uh, act of uh, worshiping God, and by this does not save in itself, and. Um, I, I think that we should celebrate it, but not to the point of... Please.